Hey, welcome to Sex, Drugs, and Spirituality with Cindy DeLorean. That's me. And here for my first in-studio episode in, God, months is Scott McNulty. How's it going, Scott? Hey, it is going great. It's, uh, I'm honored to be here. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, and I should have introduced you as executive producer Scott McNulty. I oh, forgot. they know. The fans know. That's true, yeah. they do. <laughs> um, we'll have to do another um, Scott McNulty Uncensored for Patreon because that was really good. I'm ready to let loose. <laughs> so many, so many things that uh, that you know to spew out. Um, me too. Um, there's like certain things that I'm like I could talk about this on pub dates, but it's kind of too juicy. Maybe it should go <laughs> uncensored. <laughs> Um, so we're going to do an episode about dentistry, which isn't really sex, drugs, or spirituality, but, like, we've kind of let the pretext of this show go. Yeah. We did an episode on the kidnapping of George Weyerhaeuser, so. Sure. Well, there, there's, there's drugs used in dentistry, so. That's true, and it's go. actually in my little notes on the history of dentistry. Um, but the reason I wanted to do this episode is you have a podcast called Mick Wise Guys. Yes, thank you. Uh, thanks for thanks for plugging that. I I listen to it. I love it. Oh, um, grazie. So Scott and another um, Irish fella, Kevin McQuaid. Kevin McQuaid. They review gangster movies. See. Si. Um, and they go into the history of like the the true story it was based on, and and also how the film was made. And um, so you get a lot of like uh, film school stuff with it. And plus, you get to kind of relive a movie that you enjoy. Yeah, thank you. I mean, ho- hopefully that you enjoyed. Um, I, you know, it's funny. I've had people tell me that, uh, oh, I want to listen to that one episode, but I haven't seen the movie yet, to which I always say, you just listen to it. I mean, we sometimes spoil things, but not. we try not to. Like, we, <laughs> we did a lot in the beginning, and then we, we got better about it because we were like, all right, maybe you haven't seen it yet. So we do talk a lot about the film, but we try not to leave. We try not to drop any major spoilers. So. Yeah. And for me, I think it kind of guides whether or not I'm going to watch the movie. Cause most of the movies there you, you watch are kind of are classics, whatever. But I yeah. think there was one that you were like at the end of it, you know, watch it or don't, whatever. <laughs> yeah. And so that did not get added to my watch list. So there's it, been a, there's been a couple like that because it's a limited genre. So we're watching all kinds of things and, and yeah, there's some that I definitely, you know, like more than others. So, and there are some that just haven't aged well is the thing. Oh, yeah. So some were hits yeah. and they just, um, like Scarface is really funny <laughs> to watch. Yeah. That. We haven't done that one yet, but it, it's on the list. It's coming up really soon. And, uh, yeah, it's one that I love to, to tear down. So, that'll be fun <laughs> yeah i mean listen i could do 20 minutes on mary elizabeth master antonio's hair <laughs> is that her name i think so yeah. i could just do i'm going to do the whole thing on just al pacino's terrible cuban accent <laughs> <laughs> it makes <Yeah>. no sense <laughs> um so you guys did an episode of mcwise guys about the movie tombstone um which is a gangster yes. movie yes and in it you blew my mind with this piece of information that Doc Holliday was an actual doctor because he was a dentist. Yeah, he went to dental school. He was a graduate of dental school in Philadelphia, I think. Correct. Yeah. yeah. Good memory. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I just... I had no idea. I just, yeah. in my mind, I'm like, yeah, in the Old West, you're like, hey, Doc. Yeah, this guy's Buck. This guy's Doc. <laughs> This is Hootin' Annie. <laughs> yeah, and then on it you said, yeah, your mom worked for dentists, and they're kind of an odd yeah. group. Um, and so I kind of hit you up 
about wanting to hear your dentist stories. And I was like, why don't we just do an episode about dentistry? Yeah. And uh, I'm excited to talk about it. What led me to, to even mention that was when I found out that Doc Holliday was a dentist, to me, it just made sense because he was a very flamboyant and kind of crazy character, obviously, who got into gunfights and gambled and whatever. And uh, I was like, oh, yeah, my mom was a dental assistant for 30 years, and they're all crazy. Like, they're all really <laughs> they're all really weird. Like, a lot of them. I shouldn't say all of them. You know, I'm not going to generalize. But there's – yeah, there's – um. There's stereotypes like in the yeah. construction industry, they'll be like framers are drunks, <laughs> roofers do speed, no painters do speed. Like they kind of like <laughs> stereotype like the the genre of what sort of construction work you do with what your drug of choice is. I did not so, know that. Yeah, um, I this is my memory's foggy because it's been a long time since I worked construction, but um, I remember that. <laughs> Uh, and so it's also within the medical community. I forget, uh, our, um, shady doctor friend was once telling me about the different types of doctors and their sort of oddness. Yeah. You know, never trust, trust a proctologist. She said, (laughs) yeah, I, you know what? I, I kind of got screwed over by a proctologist once. So I went to see one and, uh, well, it was one that you recommended actually. (laughs) Oh, what happened? Well, she just, I just went because I had some, uh, gastrointestinal issues and, uh, and she was like, well, we need to do a, um, what is the thing with the butt? The The colonoscopy. We need to colonoscopy, yeah. And I was like, oh, really? Really? You think so? She's like, yeah, definitely. So we did that. I mean, I was 34 at the time. So that's pretty young for Mm -hmm. going. And then even when I, because you go to like a different place to get the colonoscopy, and even like the nurse that was prepping me was like, you're really kind of young for this. Is there something going on? Like, do you have, you know, cancer or something? And I'm like, oh, I don't think so. I mean, she's like, why are you, so why are you here? I'm like, I don't know. The doctor just said to come here, you know? And then we did the colonoscopy and it was like, yeah, all clear. Everything's fine. That'll be $3,500, you know? Did you have to pay that? Yes, I paid most of it. Yeah. You're in, oh my god. Uh yeah. Well, I have a well, I have a $1400 deductible, so I paid Oh my 14, god. I paid $1400. Yeah. So I'm sorry. But, uh, that's okay. Uh I mean, I you know, I I just framed it as well. I guess she was just like better safe than sorry, but uh I was a little bit kind of afterwards like eh, was that necessary? Like I maybe mean, a second opinion would should have been in order. <laughs> I had a recent incident like that where I had to get um a CT scan um, uh, because I have a low white blood cell count and they wanted to rule out cancer. And so they did it. I have like a, a mass in my lung, but at my mm-hmm. age and whatever, it's probably nothing. And it just happens. Yeah. It, I could have had valley fever. Sure. It could be whatever. Um, I kind of suspect it's endometriosis, whatever. But like basically, I, you know, they reviewed the notes and the doctor's like, I wouldn't worry about it. Um if you want to come back in three months and get it checked to make sure it hasn't grown, whatever. But like that CT scan was $550. And so I wow. was for something that's probably nothing. I wasn't going to hurry up and pay another $550 copay. Right. Yeah, yeah. Well, everything shut down during COVID. The minute they started doing non-essential procedures again, my phone was ringing every single day with the, um, imaging place trying to schedule it because they want the money. It's a yeah. money grab. They yeah. they were closed for two months. They weren't making any money. And every day they're going, hey, we're just calling to schedule <laughs> that appointment. And I'd be like, um, I don't know if I'm going to do it. It's a lot of money. I'm laid off during COVID, whatever. Yeah. You know, and so it's just sometimes – and it's just like the mechanic. Like the mechanic says you need to get this thing fixed. 
or your or your car's not safe to drive, you do it. Because yeah. you don't know any better. And so I think yeah. doctors kind of do that where they're like, you need a colonoscopy. Because they get yeah. kickbacks when they refer you to get a colonoscopy or they oh, refer sure. you for images. Yeah. The referring doctor gets a kickback, which oh, yeah. is insane. That is. That should be illegal because yeah. kickbacks in any other capacity are illegal. <laughs> That's what, like the term kickback is associated with a thing that is illegal. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Um, and, <laughs> and and back to dentistry, I've also had – I had to leave a dentist because like I had seen them for a couple years every six months. And I think they pulled my number that they knew whatever they recommended I would get done. Mm. And so I have this 3D printed tooth and they were like – it's messed up. We need to replace it. It's going to be twelve hundred dollars. Like it ha- it's, it looks like there might be decay under it. And I was going to get it done. And then um, it turns out they didn't have a three D printer, and it was going to be this drawn out process. And I was like, oh, I'm just going to go to the dentist with the three D printer. Yeah. So I go there, and they do all the X rays. They go, it's fine. Oh my god. It, they just wanted your twelve hundred dollars. Wow. And I just, I, it's insane. Yeah. It's predatory. Dentists are predatory. Uh, yes, actually, <laughs> they, as we will get into. <laughs> um, yeah, in more ways than one, <laughs> yes. not just financially. Um, so so I'll run through my little notes. Uh, I have six pages of notes on dentistry. Thrilling. <laughs> Scott just got off work, uh, working a full day, and now he's got to listen to this. Um, I wouldn't call what I do working. <laughs> well, he got done hanging out at his house. Um, so in 5000 BC, this is like the first... Um, reference to uh like dental hygiene stuff wow um there are some sumerian texts describing uh, tooth worms as a cause for decay which huh. wasn't really proven false until the 1700s wow uh-huh. I, I can see why they would think that because a cavity is a hole in your tooth mm-hmm. and so they would probably think that yeah there's some kind of worm that's digging digging in there yeah. you know yeah it, it does it does make sense yeah Interesting. um in 2600 B- BC, uh, this guy named Hesse Ray, who's an Egyptian scribe, uh, he's known as the first dentist. Um, and his tomb inscription said, the greatest of those to deal with teeth and of physicians. <laughs> <laughs> so there is, yeah, ancient Egypt, we have dentists. Yeah. Um, 1700 uh-huh. to 1550 BC. Uh, an Egyptian text called the Ebers Papyrus refers to diseases of the teeth and various toothache remedies, which is just weird because I always thought, I guess I always thought early people didn't live long enough to have tooth problems. I had always sort of understood that we have, like we as a modern society have more tooth problems and more cavities because we eat refined sugar. Mm-hmm. That's what I always thought, but I don't know how true that is. So. I think that's probably true. Yeah. Um, so, uh, let's see, 500 to 300 BC, uh, Hippocrates and Aristotle write about dentistry, including, uh, treating decay and gum disease, extractions, and using wires to stabilize loose teeth and fractured jaws. Oh, wow. Um, 100 BC, uh, this dude named Celsus, who's a Roman medical writer, he writes uh, a medical compendium of oral hygiene, um, and he talks about stabilizing loose teeth, uh, treatment for toothache, pain, and jaw fractures. Um, 166 AD, the Etruscans practice dental prosthetics, which I think means dentures. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Um, oh, they use gold crowns and fixed bridge work. Wow. Right? I have a bridge. 
You do. I do, yeah. <laughs> it's weird to think like, oh, this stuff hasn't ultimately yeah. changed that much, just the materials. Yeah. Um, well, they still use gold a lot for yeah hats. yeah it's actually Browns. it's the ch- it's well i think silver's cheaper and then gold and then yeah. porcelain's more expensive yeah um in 780 a chinese medical text mentions silver paste amalgam so like they're already doing fillings oh wow isn't that weird that's crazy what um, year what year was that 700 jesus right yeah um in uh 12 10 the uh, Guild of Barbers is established in France, and it has um, two groups. There's the surgeons, and then there's the lay barbers. And the lay barbers are the ones who do, like, the routine stuff. Like, they cut hair, they mm. shave, they do bleeding, they do tooth extraction. Um, and it, so the first guild of these, like, dentist barbers was in France, and then later they came along in England. Yeah. Um, it, let's see, 1400, there's, like, a French decree prohibiting lay barbers from doing surgery so they're trying to create these specialized medicine sex like yeah. you, know, you can only cut hair and do teeth and then you can cut people open um let's see the bunch of shit about publishing books about dentistry um uh let's see i want to skip the boring stuff yeah a bunch of french books about dentistry hmm. um let's see uh in 1746, there's a guy who's writing about, like, using gold to make crowns and posts um, to retain in the root canal. So, like, they're mm. already doing root canals. Um, and he's like, also, you know, if we can do white enamel, it's like, it looks better than yeah. gold. They would put white on top of the gold. Wow. Um, okay, here is something I didn't know. Another famous dentist. Um, from 1768 to 1770, Paul Revere places advertisements <laughs> for his dental services in a Boston newspaper. Had no idea. Mm-hmm. And in 1776, in the first known case of dental forensics, Paul Revere identifies the body of his friend after the Battle of Breed's Hill by identifying a bridge that he made for that friend's mouth. Wow. That's yeah. amazing. Isn't that wild? Well, he was a silversmith, right? So it makes sense that he would apply that to uh, to making crowns and bridges and stuff. Oh, I didn't know he was. I I learned I learned history in school. It uh, just didn't stick with me. These are just like little things that pop in my mind. There's all kinds of stuff I don't know. Uh, let me assure you of that. <laughs> I'm sh- well. I'm sh- I'm sure there are, but you you are more uh, you know history very well. Um, so (laughs) in, uh, 1790, John Greenwood, who was one of George Washington's dentists, I guess he needed multiple dentists. He had those wooden teeth, right? Well, apparently they weren't, I haven't researched this. Maybe I should have. His teeth weren't wooden. He had dentures made from the teeth of slaves. I did hear that once. Yeah. That's awful. Isn't that gross and horrible? God. Uh, it makes you wonder, were they still alive when he... And they pulled those teeth out, or were they from dead I mean, slaves? Or? Yeah, who knows? Oh, it, you would you would hope they were dead, but they did all that medical experimenting on slaves. Yeah. This Ugh. one woman, they did like the the they did a lot of like learning about gynecological surgery on this one slave. They did like fifty four surgeries oh on her while she was awake, and they just bring in medical students and be like, "We're gonna you know cut her open again. Let's just keep." 
Jesus. Yeah, it's it's fucking horrific. Like, and the history of like I love medical sciences, but like the history of it and the experimentation on people without their consent, yeah, is insane. And it still happens today. So, anyways, um, uh, people are monsters. Yes. Um. So this uh guy who was one of George Washington's dentists, he invents the first known foot engine to do like drilling because he oh. takes his mom's spinning wheel and he adapts it to operate a drill. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. Um. 1825, first commercial manufacturer of porcelain teeth. Hmm. So now you don't have to get them like custom made. They can yeah. just ship out some teeth. <laughs> then like everyone has the same teeth. <laughs> Sears Roebuck catalog. <laughs> <laughs> I just, it's so weird. I just picture like you smile at someone and they have your same exact teeth. Yeah. <laughs> nice hey, teeth. <laughs> nice <at> choppers. <laughs> we shop at the same store. <laughs> um, so there in 1833 to 1850, there was a thing called the Amalgam Wars because these French brothers come to the U.S. and they like start marketing this amalgam for fillings but it's really poor quality and so it becomes like this thing that apparently is famous in the world of dental history the amalgam wars and everyone's (laughs) being like my product's the best it doesn't give you cancer i mean i don't know if they knew what cancer was back then but they're just pouring random shit in people's mouths oh my god um imagine how scary a trip to the dentist was back then oh my god i I cannot imagine just no numbing agents no novocaine i almost every time i have anything done at the dentist which fortunately i don't have i've had a couple fillings um and my one fake tooth um but like i am ready to jump out of the chair like i'll go and be like okay you're just you're gonna go get this done it's fine it's fine it's fine and like the minute the doctor walks in i want to run out of the room (laughs) um i used to take not xanax clonopin to go to the dentist and i would take an uber because i would take like more than a safe <laughs> <dose>. <laughs> um because yeah i just i have i have medical anxiety um recently i had to get covid tested again for my work and because i yeah. had already had it done and i knew how painful it was is I, it painful well so the first time i went because i had symptoms i went through the drive-through one mm-hmm. and they go hold on to your steering wheel don't grab me like because i guess it hurts and people grab the yeah. doctors or whatever. So I grabbed the steering wheel and they rape your nostril with a Ugh. Q-tip. Like this place, it was like, it was a swab, like a Q-tip swab. Yeah. And it went so far in. And and just when you think you can't take it anymore, they pull it out and then they do the other nostril. Oh my God. So when I went to have it done at urgent care, because someone at my work said they had it, even though it turned out they were lying, but we didn't know that yet. I was having like a full anxiety attack in the doctor's office and I I was telling her I'm sorry my anxiety is through the roof I know it'll be over quick but it was a cook who said they had it like we don't even work in the same room I doubt I have it and now I have to go through all this pain blah 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 well it turns out it wasn't as bad because it wasn't a q-tip it almost looked like the little things you like you know those flossers that look like little plastic christmas trees that can fit between your teeth yes so it's got like some little plastic it was that so it was much smaller and the doctor um she bargained with me and said how about i just do one Mm-hmm. And I don't know if she went easy on me or what, or if it, cause it wasn't a big Q-tip, yeah. but it was not, it was unpleasant, but it wasn't mm-hmm. nearly as bad because the first time I was, my eyes were running for like 30 minutes afterwards. 
Um, yeah, COVID testing yeah. sucks. Uh, so does getting uh, STD tested when they put the swab in your in your penis. So they, <laughs> the only people who still do that now is archaic because the P test is actually more sensitive. They use a different yeah. method of testing. So, cause at first I was like, there's no way a P test is more accurate than a swab, right? It doesn't right. make sense. I was like, you want to get up in there. Mm. And then I researched it and actually the P test is more accu- accurate because it's a more sensitive testing. So I feel like any place that is still cute, cu- stubbing Q-tips up men's dicks, <laughs> they're just doing it to punish them. Yeah, when, and deservedly. Yeah, the last test I got was the doctor I don't go to anymore. He had originally told me, he's like, oh, no, we can just do everything through urine. And then he's like, oh, no, I forgot. There's, like, one that urine won't work for. And I don't remember which one it was. But oh. uh, I didn't have any of them, so that's good. But, uh, oh, God. And I'd had it done before, but it hurt. Like, he just he didn't do a good job. It was I felt like he was, like, ramming that thing home. <laughs> you know? Like, it was bad, yeah. That I, sounds like a fucking nightmare. I let out a yell, <laughs> like, in the examining room. Yeah. Embarrassing. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I just can't imagine like the fortitude that people used to have. You know, like yeah. we're, we're wincing at Q-tips and they're just getting limbs cut off with no anesthetic. Yeah. Like, what the fuck? I don't. Crazy. Uh, it's crazy. Um, eight, oh, dang people. <laughs> 1840 world's first dental school in uh, f- uh, starts, and that's in Baltimore. Um, in 1841, Alabama's the first state to start regulating dentistry. So you have mm. to, you know, have a degree nice. to practice. Smart. I know. Alabama on the forefront of something. Who knew? Yeah. Um, 1859, American Dental Association. 1866, first woman dentist mm. in Ohio. Oh, hey. Um, 1869. The <laughs> the first black dentist uh, graduates from Harvard. Oh wow! And now we get to 1872 when our boy Doc Holliday graduates from the Pennsylvania College of Dental Surgery. It's a school his cousin Robert founded. Mm. Um, he starts practicing in Georgia, but he became sick with tuberculosis shortly after. Yes, he did. Which I guess is what killed his parents as well. Oh, I didn't know that. So it's got to be like, oh, I'm an orphan, and I saw my parents go through this, and now, fuck, I have it too. Um, I don't know a lot about TB, but I guess you couldn't get, you can't get rid of it. Well, now they're, everyone's vaccinated for it, but yeah, back then, it would. I think it would most assuredly kill you. That's, that's yeah. such a bummer. Yeah. Um, so he, he's like, oh fuck, I have tuberculosis. I'm going to head out West for my health. Cause yeah. that's, you know, the, the dry, dry air. air. Yeah. Um, and he picked up his practice in Dallas. Um, but he had to quit because the coughing fits from TB were scaring his patients. <laughs> sure. Um, <laughs> cause even though people didn't like know about, like germ theory and how disease was spread per se, they knew enough to be uncomfortable when they have their mouth open. Uh, yes, <laughs> to have someone coughing into it. Yeah. Um. Oh, yeah. That's unfortunate. That is that is awful. Um. And that's how he became a gambler because he needed a career after yeah. dentistry. And he was like, "Why not this? Obviously, why don't I just play cards for money?" <laughs> um. Yeah. God bless him. And then get into the occasional gunfight. <laughs> that it sounds like a great life. It does. Yeah. I mean, it's better than what I do. Yeah. Or anyone that I know does. Yeah, so. it's better. Yeah. yeah. I, I just, I worked eight hours at Starbucks today. And I definitely, I think if I were good at gambling, could have made more money. Uh, perhaps. Yeah. yeah. Or you could have lost everything. I could have lost it second. all. <laughs> That's true. That is true. So, 
1873, uh, Colgate toothpaste becomes available. Mm. And then a year later, they start the first commercial toothbrushes because before that, it was swine hair. <laughs> Actually, no, I think these might have still been swine hair because later on, they come up with the nylon bristles. Oh. So I think these mm. were still swine hair. Um, 1885, dental assistants become a thing. Um, 1890, the first black female dentist. Oh. Um, and also that year, a German guy proves the microbial basis of dental decay. Uh, and oral hygiene then becomes like super popular because people are like, oh, fuck, there, we yeah. gotta brush our teeth to get the tooth worms out. Yeah, you gotta kill those tooth worms. Yeah. Um, and we started dental x rays. Uh, and 1899 orthodontics became a thing. And like the guy mm. who designed, like he made classifications for different types of malocclusions, which is just, I, I looked up the definition cause they always say <laughs> that when you're at the dentist, they'll be like, it, it's a malocclusion. And I'm like, I, it, it just means an imperfect position of the teeth when the jaw is closed. Ah, hmm. um, but so it, an overbite basically. Yeah. Overbite, yeah. underbite. Yeah. I don't know. Things don't line up right. Um, but, like, his sort of, yeah, his system of classifications was used in dentistry until very recently. Or it still mm. is. So oh, he, wow. he just spent a lot of time, I guess, maybe looking at skulls. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> Going, that ain't. <laughs> that, that ain't right. That's <laughs> imperfect. Um, 1905, we get Novocaine. Thank fuck. Wait, what year was that we got? 1905. Oh, that's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. I mean, we started at 5,000 BC with dental shit. So it yeah. only took them how many <laughs> years to get something to help it better, be better. Um, be best. Yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, we have a bunch of more stuff with like dental uh, revolutionizing and like this is how the practice goes and like standardizing it. Um, 1913, dental hyg hygienists become a thing. Mm. Um, 1937, the first dental implant. I thought, though, honestly, I thought dental implants were new. Like what kind of, oh, like a tooth implant? Like, like where uh, they, yeah, where they screw it into your jaw. Yeah, I thought that was fairly new as well. Maybe they just got good at it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I should have had a couple of implants, but I went with a bridge instead because I didn't want to wait. It takes, you have, they have to like screw it in and then you have to like wear a temporary one for like a year. Oh, a year? Yeah. Well, I was 17 at the time. So I think it was like, well, your body is still growing and stuff. So mm. we have to see if your body's going to reject the metal. So like we put it in there and then if everything goes according to plan, then, you know, then they put the permanent one in or something. And I was like, just give me a bridge. So, yeah. And yeah. honestly, <laughs> until you told me it was a bridge, I didn't know. Damn right. Yeah, it, it looks great. Um, yeah, dental implants mm -hmm. kind of sc are scary. Like, I'd be scared to get one. They look great when they're done well, but, oh, like, yeah. having something drilled into your jaw yeah. is, is just scary. I hope they put you to sleep for that. I don't know. They've um, got to. They may not have to. I don't know. I want to be put to sleep <laughs> for a haircut, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who's cutting your hair, but you may want to go somewhere else. <laughs> no, no, no. We have fun. We have fun. <laughs> we have a good time, though. We do. <laughs> yeah. I try not to, you know, make her be my therapist because that's what people do to their hairdressers. Sure. Yeah. I, I don't like that. I'm like, tell me about your life because she kind of she has a great life. It's very she lives in the suburbs in this big, beautiful <laughs> house. Like it is nice. Yeah. She's got a great. Yeah. She'll, she'll like 
be wearing her little tennis outfit because she just came from playing tennis. She's wow. she's living a life, and then she gives me all the hot goss on like the yeah. Real Housewives in the neighborhood. Oh, and I'm like, <laughs> man, these people are fucked up. I love it. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, it's good. I like the insight into how the other half live. Do they ever like stand outside brandishing weapons at at? peaceful protesters you know i don't know i'll ask when i get my hair done uh two days from now i'll ask her how they're doing um i just i really just dated the podcast by throwing that throwing that joke in there so yeah sorry. if anyone yeah. listens to this like a year from now they're gonna totally have forgotten about what that, that? what, what are they talking, talking about, about? Yeah. <laughs> it, the news moves it just moves too fast too and, fast yeah um 1938, the first nylon toothbrush. So we're hmm. finally not using swine hair. Swine hair, which is disgusting. Speak, speak for yourself. I'm still using it. Do they cut? <laughs> they must trim it so all they're all the same length, right? I would assume. <laughs> um, I had a, a teacher in college who he taught my um, acting classes, hmm. and. Um, he was a real experimental artist when he was in college in the 80s or whatever. And he would do these like pieces like he was born a crack baby. Oh, and wow. so he did a piece where he was just like naked in a strobe light room, like shaking, like he was supposed to be like in the womb on crack, like recreating oh, that. Wow. Um, but one of the projects he did was he collected pubic hair from um, girls that he slept with and he put them on a toothbrush as the bristles. Ugh, ha -ha. Yeah, he's all I, I I did the wildest art. I put pubes on a toothbrush. I'm like, how can you even brush your teeth with that? They're curly. I mean, did he actually use it, or was it just a display? No, like it's just displayed. Display. Yeah. Just displayed in an art show. Here's a pube brush. And I was like, well, now you've just dated your work, because yeah. people don't have pubes anymore. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. yeah. Uh Let's see, 1945, uh, they fluoridated the water in the United States. Controversial. Mm, yeah. Um, and in 1950, they started making fluoride toothpaste. Um, huh. A lot of people like to blame fluoride for, like, everything that's wrong in the world. Yeah. I think they don't do that in most of Europe. I don't know. Or at least in Britain, I think they don't. They don't. Yeah. Somebody, I don't, listen, I don't know the history of this, and I guarantee this is something that Rob Love knows, so maybe we'll do an episode about it. But... There are people who say that, like, there was all this excess industrial fluoride. And so the companies were like, we don't know what to do with all this excess fluoride. And they lobbied to have the government put the fluoride in the water to get rid of it, which I'm fairly hmm. certain, having done zero research, that that is bullshit. But also sounds like something that a bunch of capitalists would do. <laughs> Listen, they'll do, they'll do anything, but fluoride does make your teeth stronger. I don't know what effects it has on the body if you drink yeah. it, um, but I know people who they won't use fluoride toothpaste or any of that shit. I was bulimic for a million years, so I am all about fluoride because it does strengthen your enamel. Mm. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I'm willing to admit when I don't know. Not me. I, there's too many. There's too many <laughs> things to be scared of. To now, I can't. I can't use the thing that I think is yeah. good for my teeth. Yeah, I agree. Also, yeah. I drink tap water. I do. I think. Yeah. I think bottled water is a racket for the most part. Yes. And um, I've known people who don't, who will, will not drink tap water under any circumstances. Oh yeah, quite a few. Yeah. Uh, everyone, almost everyone I know does not. Uh, I do because I don't give a shit. I don't give a shit. I throw some ice cubes in there. I'm good to go. And Penn and Teller did a bullshit episode about bottled water and how it just has to legally be as pure as the tap water in the 
city in which it's sold. Jesus. So, like, it's as far as I know, it's bullshit. Also, I'm trying not to drink out of plastics, and so yeah. um, it's better to just put water from a tap in a glass container. Yeah. Because um, I'm trying not to uh, consume, like, endocrine disruptors because hmm. um, the BPAs, the BPBs, all of these things are disruptive to your endocrine system, and I'm not going to spend $40,000 or, well, it's not going to cost me. I'm not going to spend $7,000 on surgery for my endometriosis mm. and then continue putting things in my body that will disrupt my hormonal system. I worked with a guy who never drank uh, out of plastic containers. He had, like, like a mason jar uh, at his desk that he would fill with water, mm-hmm. you know. And I was like, why are you drinking out of a glass jar? And he's like, oh, you don't want to drink out of plastic containers like a... Uh, like of any, it wouldn't of any kind. He wouldn't. So I was like, oh, seems legit, probably. Yeah, I've I've always been a plastic drinker. I've always had water bottle, plastic water bottles that I just refill and keep in my fridge, and I always carry a two liter bottle around with me. And so it's a newer thing I'm trying to break. Yeah. Um. So far, after eight days, I broke my glass water bottle, and mm. now I have to go buy another one. Oh, yeah. But I'm working on it. I have a metal or a stainless steel water bottle, and that seems to work. I need to get a bigger yeah. one. I have one, but it's not big enough. Yeah. You know, you know how I like a big... Yeah, you like a nice big bottle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like small dicks and big bottled waters. Big, um, big bottle. <laughs> um, so that is the stuff about dentistry. Now, growing up, I didn't know that your mom was a dental assistant. She was. She started when we moved to Memphis, Tennessee, and I was probably like uh, in f- kindergarten when she started. So I'm 41, so that's that's a long time ago. Um, but she had no training. She just, I think we just, she found this, like it was the dentist that we went to as a family, and then somehow he hired her. Oh. Um, his name was Dr. Simmerman. He's the only one I'm going to use his real name because he was the only good one. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, like the only decent guy, <laughs> but he was super nice guy. He was, uh, uh, it, what's funny is looking back on it, like clearly, uh, flaming gay, but, uh, I don't think anyone realized it back then in 1984, you know, uh, I don't even think my mom quite realized it. We didn't know what to look out for. We back didn't know. Then. Yeah. But he was like one of those guys where I think his, uh, well, his brother was a dentist too. And then his parents were just like real southern aristocrats like rich southern and he was like a real skinny guy like real like like a wisp of a man with a mustache you know and he was like hi how you doing like come on in how you doing scotty you doing good (laughs) and um and he was just a really funny guy and he trained my mom to be a dental assistant oh wow so she didn't go to dental assisting school he trained her he trained her which i don't know if you could still do that legally but in 1984 in tennessee you sure could so (laughs) um but he like stayed friends with my mom for years in fact uh when we we moved back to florida we lived in tennessee for three years and moved back to florida my parents divorced uh and he remained friends with my mom he was oh he would come on vacations with us so we would take family vacations what? with Dr. Simmerman true story yeah multiple times um, and I also have that's how I happen to know that uh, he was a tiny little man with a huge horse cock <laughs> 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 that I thankfully never saw but um, my stepbrother at the time uh, because my mom remarried. 
briefly and then again. But (laughs) (laughs) in her first remarriage, I had a stepbrother named Greg who was 22. So he was quite, I mean, I was like 13 at the time. And we all went to the beach together uh, for like a week. Mm -hmm. And it was Sanibel Island, I think. And Dr. Simmerman came with us. Uh, As you do, your dentist comes with you on a family vacation. And uh, we were like at the beach one time and then we, we were changing in like the the public restroom there you know at the beach for some reason and uh my stepbrother greg went into the bathroom with uh with dr simmerman and then later like for months later this was a joke in our family where he would just look at us and go it just kept coming (laughs) 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 oh because he used to wear the little briefs too like the swim briefs yeah and this was definitely like not something that was done like in the late 80s early 90s around this time that we were you know that this happened so everyone thought it was funny that he wore swim briefs yeah exactly yeah. and uh and yeah and greg's like he took them off and that thing just kept coming <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like massive <laughs> um uh, do you think your mom knew he was gay I, th- I don't think she figured it out until way later. Okay. My mom was super naive. Uh, she still is. Because uh, it's all, like, they're kind of like best friends, right? Yeah. Like, it's, that's interesting. He, like, she really became, like, his fag hag. Yeah. You know, without her knowing it. In fact, so one time, this is the weirdest thing that he ever did that I'm aware of. We were living in uh, Orlando. Uh, parents are divorced. My mom had not yet remarried, so single. Just her, me, and my sister. And... Uh, like I went to bed like on a like a Tuesday night or something. Next morning, woke up, Dr. Simmerman was asleep on the couch. And I was like, What? Like, why is Dr. Simmerman here? And my mom said, Well, I was on the phone with him last night, long distance, because that used to be a thing. Yeah. And um, we were just talking about this, that, and the other. And I said how much I missed Memphis barbecue. She's like, oh, that's the one thing I miss about living in Memphis is the Memphis barbecue. And he's like, Yeah. He's like, what was your favorite barbecue, Marilyn? And she's like, oh, I liked Gridley's the best. He's like, mm, Gridley's sure is good, you know? And uh, so they hung up. He got on it. He went to Gridley's, which was just like a fast food restaurant, a barbecue restaurant, bought a bunch of stuff, packed it in dry ice, got on a plane and flew no. to Florida. Yes, and without telling my mom, rang the doorbell at like midnight, <laughs> and uh, which me and my sister just slept through because we're kids. And um, yeah, and they ate Gridley's barbecue in the middle of the night. And then he slept on the couch and then left the next day. When I came home from school, he was gone. He went back. He flew back to Tennessee. <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, number one, he's, like, low-key in love with your mom. Yeah. Um, yeah. But also, just to have money. Like, that's something yeah. people with money can do is go, I'm just going to surprise her with the barbecue she wants. Like, what's yeah. a plane ticket? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, my God. How adorable. He was a, he was an adorable guy. Yeah. Um, in fact, when my mom got remarried the first time, he came to the wedding. Okay. Uh, and joined us for the honeymoon. <laughs> no. It was, well, it was like a family honeymoon. Like, we all went, again, to the beach, you know. Okay. And, uh, and but he was there. Uh he was always around. That's wild. Yeah. And then one day, like, he just kind of disappeared from our lives. And I remember asking my mom, like, hey, where's Dr. Simmerman lately? Like, I haven't heard you talk about him, and we haven't seen him. And she's like, I don't know. He quit his dental practice, and he started, um, like, buying, uh, like, old houses, like, apparently in a really bad part of Memphis, which is, I think, is, is, is called Memphis. And uh, <laughs> a little joke. And uh, he uh, started buying these, uh, like, houses and fixing them up um, and and trying to flip them. Um, I don't know if he was successful or not, but his whole family was appalled. 
Like his mother was beside herself about this. His brother was like, "What are you doing?" Why? Because he's because he's a dentist. Because he's you know, and they're all dentists, and it's like he had a successful practice, and and there's no guarantee this was going to work. And and they were just like, "Why are you doing this?" But then also that's he kind of fell off the radar and like stopped talking to everybody, and like he wasn't calling my mom anymore. So I think he had my personal opinion is that he had like a crisis because I think that he would never admit it to himself that he was gay or mm-hmm, anyone else. Mm-hmm. Like no one in his family knew, you know, it was just like, Oh, it's this guy who's a bachelor forever, you know? And, um, I, I think that was just like a, almost like a midlife crisis kind of thing or a way. Yeah. From, Cause he was, he was 30 when my mom met him when he was. So, you know, I remember thinking like, he's this old guy, like 30, yeah. I'm 11 years older than him now, but yeah. So I don't know when he, he was probably about my age when he kind of went off the, you know. Yeah, and maybe who knows? Like maybe he never wanted to be a dentist, you know. Yeah, and so that's he's true. just he, he he's living this closeted life and a career that he didn't even want. He's just being the person he's supposed to be. And then yeah. maybe he was like, "Wait, I don't want to do this. I want to design houses." Yeah, and I think uh, from what I, I don't remember meeting his parents. I guess I did at one point, according to my mom. But I guess they were, especially his mother, was very controlling. You know, just a real like Southern matriarch kind of thing. You know, like, come over. You know, every Sunday they they the boys would come over and have dinner there. You know, Sunday lemonade and you know and and a roast and all that. You know, um, but his brother was like I remember him. He was also a dentist and he was a much happier guy and he was married and mm-hmm. you know uh, he had a boat. We used to go boating with him on the Arkansas River. Uh, again, like we spent weekends with him. Like we were just always, <laughs> it was weird. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this becomes a pattern in my mom's life, by the way, as we, as we go on. <laughs> but, um, Oh, I can't wait. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's really interesting. Um, I, I always wonder, you know, people who have really close families. Sometimes I'm jealous cause I feel like they're more grounded people. They had a better foundation to help right. become an adult, right? They didn't have to scramble and fall on their face as much as I did. But then I'm like, the obligations of like every Sunday, you got to go do yeah. the family. You know what I mean? Of having your family up in your business asking you like, you know, yes. like you're buying a new car and they want to tell you what to do. You're getting like just yep. having <laughs> someone up in your business like that. It's it's weird for me even having like a relationship with someone where I'm like, oh, if I want to like, I don't know, do this. Like I have to at least let him know what I'm up to, you know? <laughs> right. Like yeah. today I had to be like, okay, well I'm working at two. I'm go- working till two. I have to go to the mechanics. Scott's coming over at five. <laughs> and I'm like, not even used to like having to tell someone like, this is what my schedule is. Yeah. It's well, I, ha- I mean, I had a family like that and I like over the years have trained them to, to stay more and more out of my business, but it's still, there's still obligations there. Yeah. It is difficult. Yeah. Cause you don't want to let them down and you have to go over there and yeah, a lot of Sunday dinners and, but I think it was much worse for his family because the parents were still married and, you know, yeah. more esta- well-established, you know, old Southern aristocracy. Yeah, you know? <laughs> there's a lot more family involvement. Yeah. Um. So your mom got her start in dental assisting in Tennessee. You guys moved to Florida. Did she do any dental assisting there? Oh, yeah, she continued. So before we moved back to Florida, we moved uh, from Memphis to Nashville because my dad got transferred over mm-hmm. there. So she found work with another dentist who I'll just call uh, Dr. Bob. Um, (laughs) And he was kind of the opposite sort of Southerner from Dr. Zimmerman in that he was like a crazy hillbilly. (laughs) And uh, so he had this little office that was like in an old house outside of Nashville uh, where we lived. It was very country. 
And um, what he would do is, you know, when you go to the dentist and like they give you the Novocaine and they have to wait for it to Mm -hmm. take effect. So while that was happening or when there's any kind of prep going on, he would go outside. There was like a little bit of woods behind the dental office and he would shoot squirrels with a rifle and then bring them into the dental office, take them into the lab, uh, skin them and gut them and then wash his hands. hopefully uh put gloves on and then go back in to the to the patient so i don't like that yeah no it's awful yeah yeah (laughs) he's like super (laughs) rednecky like the idea of you being in like the mode of i think it's called dressing an animal when you like cut it and take the guts out or whatever the fuck you do before you eat it (laughs) the idea of like jumping from dressing an animal to doing like performing dental work i don't like that you know what i mean it's got to be like illegal now i'm sure it might have been illegal then but yeah yeah i just and it's not even (laughs) like a germ thing it's just like the mindset thing like after i've been jogging i'm not going to immediately start working on a needle point you know what i mean because i'm in a different mode so i i would just feel like are you gonna be as as rough with my gums as you were with that squirrel (laughs) yeah (laughs) Uh, yeah, that is, that's so weird. Yeah, he was crazy. And then the other thing that's interesting about him is that he had four kids. The fourth one was born when my mom was working for him. And he, my mom was very surprised that he, what he did was he took, it was, his wife went into labor like on a Saturday. So the office was closed. Um, he dropped her off at the hospital, literally like at the front door, he dropped her off went back and installed a flagpole in front of his office. Like, that's what he spent the day doing. (laughs) And and my mom was like, you didn't stay to watch the birth of your child? He's like, no, they don't need me in there. (laughs) Yeah, Jesus. Yeah, you would expect expect that in like 1955, but not 1985. That's what my dad did. My mom had, well, so with my brother, she went into labor and she labored for like a couple days and then they had to do an emergency c-section because it turns out my mom's pelvis is too tiny for babies to come out um (laughs) she's got a tiny pelvis but and my brother came out all purple because all the contractions trying to push him out so his head just looks like a grape and maybe that's why he's so angry (laughs) but um call him the grapist yeah (laughs) oh it's so accurate so um so when she had me i was a planned c-section because they knew she couldn't push me out right and my dad literally (laughs) and and back then you now insurance they will get you in and out like you drive up go straight to the emergency room and you wake up and they send you home but this was 1984 so she had her c-section the next morning so she gets dropped off the night before you actually stayed the night in the hospital before i guess okay um it's weird because i can't even picture them being like no we just want you to be comfortable here yeah not anymore no No. (laughs) um so he dropped her off he didn't walk her in or anything nice and then he came back uh the next day after i was already born and my dad's not a drinker my mom said when she was with him he just got shit-faced one day a year he'd just drink a whole (laughs) bottle of whiskey jesus um So he chose to do this on the day that I was born because he (laughs) he shows up to the hospital after I'm born drunk and tries to, like, insist that she name me after his ex-girlfriend. Oh, is that what happened? It's my it it was my middle name. Oh okay. Gotcha. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's no longer my middle name. But yeah. um, but yeah. So yeah, that was 1984. He's like, and my dad's a, he's a real rootin' tootin' type. <laughs> so I guess you just that's girl stuff. I don't go. Yeah. In there well, he would have. Yeah, he would have had a lot in common with Doctor Bob. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So that that was that, and then 
then we did move back to Florida, and my mom got a job with another dentist. Uh, she got a job for her husband and wife dental team. Oh. The Holmes, I'll call them the Holmeses, Dr. Holmes, Mr. Dr. and Dr. Holmes, I guess. And they were uh, white people, and but they took Taekwondo classes, so they thought they were really cool. And um, What I mean, year was this? This was like 1985, okay. 86. Yeah, that, now, that granted, tracks. Now, I was also taking Taekwondo classes, but I was eight, so... Different. Yeah, but what Dr. Holmes used to do quite frequently is, like, he would walk... It was a pretty large office, very busy. You know, they had a successful operation, so he, there was, like, an actual hallway that he... that You know, he's walking down there. The other assistants are going back and forth, hygienists, whoever. Um, but he would, like, kick... Uh, my mom like in her face, but not actually hit her. Oh, but, but he like would, fake kick. Yeah, he would like yeah. fake kick her. Like, but right, you know, he w- he thought it was like cool to get as close to her face, not just her face, but all the other assistants and oh my again, god, like to kick him as close to the face as possible. And uh, so he was kind of a drag off. Would he do that while they were working? Or oh just... yeah, all the time. Yeah, like so just... they're actually working on patients, and he's like, "Let me." Fake no, kick just you. like walking down. Oh, yeah, okay, like okay. if you're walking from one operatory to another, yeah. he would like throw a kick at your face. You know. And and do like a hi ya kind of thing. It's fun yeah. when bo- when bosses fake violence. Yeah, you. exactly. That's fun. <laughs> yeah, that wouldn't that wouldn't fly today. And then uh, the what this is one of my favorite moments that I just it's a memory of mine that I have actually. So shortly after that, my mom divorced my dad. We moved into a different neighborhood, and there was a dental office right across the street from our condo that we were living in. And I remember asking my mom like, "Oh, are you gonna go work at that?" dental office because it's like right here you could like walk to work and she's like um she goes oh i don't know we'll see you have to see you know if they're hiring or whatever and um uh it was like a month later or something like that she was on the phone with one of her girlfriends you know on the kitchen phone as as Mm -hmm. we did back then and i was just like puttering around the kitchen being a kid and she was talking to this friend of hers and she goes well, you know, I hate driving all the way across town every day to, to go to Dr. Holmes's office, and Dr. So-and-so is right across the street, but I talked to Beverly, who used to work for him last year, and uh, she said that he has a problem with his hands, so <gasps> I'm not going to work there. <laughs> oh, my God. And what's funny is that for a long time, uh, I thought that he had, like, a problem with his hands. <laughs> he, like, like his hands shook or something? Yeah, like, he could use hand. Yeah, and I remember thinking, like, that can't be good for a dentist to have problems <laughs> with his hands. Like, that's got to be really dangerous. And then it, what really scared me is then my mom started sending us kids. To, like, he became our dentist because oh, he was right so there. there yeah. yeah, and I was, I was like, um, you know... I asked my mom, I was like, didn't you say that he had a problem with his hands, though? And she's like, where did you hear that? <laughs> I was like, I heard you say that. She's like, don't repeat that. Do not repeat that. I was like, his hands are fine. You're like, she, you know. <laughs> so I didn't figure out until later, obviously, what that meant. Oh, that my God. Was, that is that too he was a funny. Scumbag. Yeah. So uh, that dentist, who I, I don't even remember his name at all, but he was my dentist for a little while. And then he suddenly up and quit and left his wife and left the office to go be a jazz musician because that's what he always wanted to do. Stop <laughs> no, it. No, serious. Yeah. Trumpet player. He was a trumpet player. <laughs> what is with these people? Dennis must make good money that they can quit their job and then go pursue their folly. And they all have midlife okay. crises, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> but like, yeah. I, like, but like, you and I couldn't afford to have a midlife crisis. Right. Like, that's <laughs> exactly, just, yeah. It's not in the financial cards for us. So just the idea that you can be like, I can actually leave my career and go 
pursue being a jazz musician <laughs> and I have enough financial, like my finances are in order that I can do that. Like, but who is, who knows if it really worked out? I doubt it. I haven't <laughs> seen him anywhere. I mean, I haven't seen any, no, I don't remember his name, but I don't remember, recall seeing his face on any CD covers. No, you know, you know he went back to dentistry, like <laughs> of course, yeah. within a year or two, but yeah. like, yeah, I just would, I'd love to have a midlife crisis. I know I'm, I'm working up to one, you know, I You're, just need, I just need more money in, yeah. the, in the bank. Yeah. Which is to say any money at all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Guys, Venmo Scott, he needs to have a midlife crisis. I gotta do it. I'm, I'm over 40 now. It's time. It is it's time. So uh, but then my mom did. She did finally get to quit Dr. Holmes, and she went to go work for Dr. Wang, uh, who, who – that's a made-up name, but it's very close <laughs> to what his name was. He was half Chinese, half Jamaican. He oh. was from Jamaica. Apparently, there's a large Chinese population in Jamaica. Which, really? Yes. I learned that from Malcolm Gladwell, actually, the author, because he his mother's from Jamaica, and apparently there's a lot of Chinese people in Jamaica. Was that on his podcast? He or? talks about it, yeah, okay. sometimes yeah. Yeah, in huh. interviews and stuff. So Dr. Wang was uh, this huge guy. He looked like a huge black man with, like, Asian eyes. It was really kind of interesting. Okay. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, basically that. And uh, he had an office in the ghetto, and they worked exclusively, uh, almost exclusively, on drug dealers and pimps were all their patients. Well, they got money, and they pay cash. They pay cash. That was it. Yeah, he didn't take insurance. He took everything cash. And they did almost all the work they did was like doing gold teeth and like uh, grill work, you know, and all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, basically bling. That's in. the type of dental work I would want to do. It's very artistic. Yeah. And uh, he also was a gun nut and he collected <laughs> guns. And uh, so one time he took me out to his uh, car and he opened the trunk and he showed me like all these like automatic weapons and Stop. shotguns and stuff. Uh, he had a Tech 9. And uh, I was like, "Whoa, that's crazy!" And I then, don't even know what a Tech Nine is. It's uh, it's the most popular gun in American crime. Oh. <laughs> At least it was in the '90s. <laughs> so they make a reference to it in the movie uh, Jackie Brown. Okay. Uh, but yeah, he had one and um, a lot of other stuff. And then I don't even know what it was. And then he asked my mom if he could take me to the gun range with him. And she said, sure, why not? Because that was what my mom did. How old were you? Uh, I was 10 at this time. Okay. And were the guns blinged out? You know how people make those blinged out guns? Not that I, no, they were just all like black. Okay. Yeah. They were, but they were like, they looked like machine guns. They were like big and menacing weapons. So we did go to the gun range and. Just you and him? Just me and him. Just went and shot guns. And he told me that he, uh, that he'll shoot a man, but he would never stab a man. He told me that because he's like, you know, cold steel, you know, that's no good. You know, I wouldn't do that to somebody. And I was like, okay, <laughs> I'm 10. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even understand the, the I logic. Don't, I don't either. Yeah, I didn't then, still don't. So <laughs> He would shoot a man, but not because the <laughs> knife is cold steel. Yeah, you know. But he so. prefers a hot gun. I've, you know, put some hot lead into somebody, but don't, you know, not cold steel. It's like an, some kind of honor thing, I think. I'm not really sure. You know, I like, need, if anybody like, like a knows. a dishonorable man would stab somebody versus an honorable man would, would shoot somebody. <laughs> I, if anyone <laughs> understands the logic behind that statement, please DM me on Instagram or Twitter or shoot me an email at sydneydelorean at gmail.com. Yeah. I'm dying to know because I feel like stabbing is more like personal. Like you have to really mean it to stab someone. Yeah, you got to You could really... shoot a stranger. Sure. Maybe that's what it was, you know. I mean, he was a dentist after all, so, you know. Yeah. Um. Um, also unique. So they're, like I said, patients, largely drug dealers and pimps, but also in a weird twist, 
he was this is the early 90s and he was one of the few dentists if not the only dentist in that in the Orlando metro area at the time that would see uh, AIDS patients. Oh really? Because this was during the time when everyone was like scared to death of anyone with HIV. Yeah. So my mom had like a rotating cast of patients of like thugs and really nice gentlemen who were dying, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and uh, it was very sad. And she would come home sometimes and cry. About these like very nice men that were dying. Were dying. Yeah. So that's I kind of this so far. This is my favorite boss because listen, he's doing artistic work. Yeah. (laughs) He's getting these fellas who maybe have less than legal careers. He's (laughs) keeping their (laughs) teeth looking right. Yep. And then he's helping people who no one else will see because they're scared of them. So the Dr. Wing's my favorite dentist. It's weird to ask, um, someone else to take someone else's 10 year old to a gun range <laughs> yeah <laughs> gun culture is different and i know like there's different like areas where the culture is just different like it's like yeah, yeah i'll take your boy shooting it's time he learns how to shoot like yeah wh- m- my personal culture like that's so weird it'd be one thing to take your own kid or to take like your kid to like a gun training class but the idea of being like <laughs> yeah my boss is taking you shooting i'm not going to be there just yeah. you and him are going to go shoot yeah. you're 10 it's time you learn how to use a tech knife <laughs> <laughs> uh another thing too i just thought of actually so when she worked for the Holmeses, there was a dental hygienist that she worked with named Pam and her husband was a house painter but he made pretty good money i guess and they mm. didn't have kids too so he became a, a, a private pilot, uh, oh. got his license, you know, and he wanted somebody to fly with, and, and his wife refused to fly with him because she was afraid. So my mom just volunteered me. She's like, oh, Scott will go flying with you. So my mom sends me up in a plane with this guy who literally has had his license for like a month. Three times we went flying. <laughs> Your mom just lends you out yeah. to dangerous well, situations. That's also, how things were back then. <laughs> yeah, you also swam in ponds with alligators. That's true, yeah. So, yeah, I went, went flying three times with Mark. Actually really loved it. And uh, But luckily we survived and nothing happened. But, yeah. But still, he was a, he was a brand new pilot. And a house painter by trade, you yeah. know, like not a professional. And my mom's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> I kind of like it's one of those things where, listen, we have talked ex- extensively about the economic wasteland and how the economy is so different than us, than our parents. But right. it almost like it makes me really simultaneously nostalgic, but also like bummed out to think about the 80s and the 90s where like there were just amateur pilots like these were middle yeah. class people my dad owns a plane like oh yeah you've told me yeah that's and right. he yeah. bought his plane in the 90s like yeah. he his business was new then he's he's very well off now um but like he, he had a new business he had a family like he was the sole breadwinner and he was able to buy a plane like yeah we had a boat and like when you say things like that now like growing up like my dad had a boat and then my mom and my stepdad had a boat and like these sort of things. We went on vacation every year, sometimes yeah. twice a year. Like that's insane. Yeah. I mean, it's insane that uh, a house painter could have a plane and, yeah. and fly. And now uh, you can't do that now. I mean, and this isn't that long ago, you know, uh, like 92, 93, you know what I mean? It's just, it, it is sad. Yeah. The economy is not what it was. Anymore. No, I mean, well, the system is rigged. Our parents, <clears throat> So, like, for example, my parents, my mom graduated nursing school 100% debt-free. She worked 
yeah. summers during college to save up money yeah. to have during the school year. So she graduates college debt-free. Her first year of nursing, she buys a house on her own. Like yeah. a 23-year-old woman has a new car and a house. Yeah. It's And then my dad obviously was able to do well for himself as a mechanic with no higher education. Yeah. And my stepdad was a union steel employee. And so these people were living, I mean, they the were American dream. the American <laughs> dream. It, it's just, it's just insane. It's just insane. And it's, yeah. it's very depressing to think of how much our country has changed just in our lifetime. If anyone yeah. knows where it's better, but it's like, it's where, where am I going to go? Like how, most of the places that it's better, it's really rough to get citizenship. So yeah, yeah, that is true. Yeah. Um, Zach is on a thing where he wants us to move to Portugal. I don't know anything about Portugal, so I'm not sure. Uh, all drugs are decriminalized there. That's all I know. Hey, yeah. welcome <laughs> to Sex, Drugs, and Spirituality, coming to you live from Portugal. Yeah, you can do heroin in Portugal, and uh, you will not get arrested for it. So I, I you know what, I'm changing <laughs> my tune because I, I was telling him I would rather move somewhere like in South America where it's more affordable, like and a little tropical. He thinks it's dangerous. I think Portugal is pretty affordable. Um, it was the poorest country in Western Europe for a long time. Oh, so it probably so, could be affordable. Yeah. Okay. Because yeah. I was I was like, South America or like Korea seems to really have their shit together. Korea is um, very expensive and very cold. Yeah. So. And very crowded. So maybe not. Yeah. Um, but anyways, uh, so so Dr. Wang takes you shooting. Yeah. Um, Dr. Holmes takes you flying. Well, his hygienist husband. Oh, hygienist yeah. husband. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, and then... Then we get to um, okay, so the dentist that that was across the street that ran away to be a jazz musician. So that office gets bought by a new dentist uh-huh. who's uh, a Canadian Chinese man. Uh, we'll call him Doctor Ling. Um, and my mom is like, "Oh, finally, I can work across the street." You know, yeah. This guy probably doesn't have a problem with his hands. <laughs> so, <laughs> so she goes and gets a job immediately with Doctor Ling, and she's very happy because like no more commute. She doesn't have to work in the ghetto anymore because she did like she liked Doctor Wang okay, but she didn't like going into that the neighborhood. neighborhood. Yeah. yeah, so she can literally walk to work every day. That's awesome. Plus, when the kids are off on summer break, you know we're nearby. You know, so mm-hmm. she doesn't have to worry about us. So, because at this point, my sister's getting old enough to where she can just be the babysitter. You know, you don't have to no daycare or anything. So um, she goes to work for this guy, and uh, long story short, again, like we become like he becomes a part of our lives so he is married to another uh, chinese canadian woman and they have a baby girl and then they have another baby girl while we know them uh which is the course of like a year or two uh we have dinner at their house all the time uh they have dinner at our house all the time we hang out with them um and it's just seems totally normal like oh we just hang out we hang out with the lings whatever um and then uh, my mom meets this guy over the phone who lives in Arizona, and all of a sudden she marries him, and we moved to Arizona like really fast. Wait, so, they <laughs> met over the phone? Yeah, my last stepdad. Yeah, she met him over the phone. How do you meet over the phone? Like a dating ad or a no? Phone it was uh, they had mutual friends uh, in Colorado, <laughs> and they were like, "You should talk to each other." Yeah, and they did yeah. phone dates. Right. Did but they meet before you moved to Arizona? Once. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Once for like a week. Okay. That was it. Yeah. But 
part of I, I so my sister and I found this out later. Part of the motivation for my mom marrying a man she barely knew and moving her family across the country to a place she'd never been to before was because Dr. Ling was like uh, all up in her shit uh, in a way that no one knew about. So what he was obsessed with her and constantly wanted to fuck her and was always telling her this all the time. And was basically saying that he was going to leave his wife for her. And my mom, like, over and over again, was like, I'm not interested in you in that way. You know, like, can we just have a normal doctor, you know, employee yeah, relationship? Yeah, can we just work together? Yeah. Uh, then it got to the point where, uh, so he had a gun, and he would carry it in his pocket all the time. Just in his pocket, not in a holster or anything. While working on patients, he had a gun in his pocket. And then uh, whenever my mom was, like, alone, like, in the lab or something, like, he would often come up behind her. And like, put the gun to her head and <gasps> say, "I'm gonna fucking kill you if you don't like, you know, run away with me." So this was happening a lot. <laughs> oh my god! And she's going to this job every day because she has a family to support. Yes, and also because uh, my sister and I, when we did find out, we were very upset. Obviously, and we were like, "Why didn't you just quit?" And she said, "Because he." So dental assistants don't get paid a whole lot. Mm-hmm. He paid her a lot. And she was able to finally buy a house for us. Uh, so she bought this house for us, and we moved into it. But basically, it was like she couldn't quit because any other job that she got would be – she would take a massive pay cut. Yeah. Would, so she stayed in this horrible situation with this guy um, and kept trying to put him off for as long as she could. And then she met Jim and, like, quit without notice, nothing. Just, like, I'm gone. Like, didn't come in one day and uh, – Wow. And, and, and uh, moved well, us to Arizona. So. Yeah, because if, if that doctor had known she was talking to someone, he would have yeah. lost his mind. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so she didn't tell him anything. Um, and she did tell my new stepdad about him. And my stepdad was also, you know, kind of like, you know, he had a lot of guns and he was a hunter and everything. And he's like, if I ever, if that guy ever comes out here looking for you, you know, I'll fucking kill him kind of thing, you know. Yeah, so, that's so scary. Yeah, yeah. He was he was a pretty strange guy. I, I feel like true <laughs> crime wasn't like <laughs> as popular of a genre back then. So like we didn't know like people didn't know like oh like this is real. This is a real threat. Yeah. This isn't fun and games. This guy's could kill you. Yeah. That's insane. It is yeah. And I mean I definitely, you know, obviously I blame that man for being a terrible man, but also my mom is just unfortunately the kind of person who gets into these situations because not a very, you know, doesn't have a lot of self confidence, self, you know, very codependent, yeah, that person, you know, and and very very naive uh, her whole life, and uh, so you know, it's just like why did you buy this house you know like why did you you just should have cut and run you know what I yeah mean? so yeah uh, if, especially <laughs> if there were signs of that beforehand because right. <laughs> like your safety isn't worth a house it just right my, my mom's also a codependent and you know the 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 worst thing i can say about my mom is that she stayed with my stepdad like that's the biggest blame i could have in my like uh, f you mom because like she didn't have the mental wherewithal to leave him and it's just like you look and you're like, why did you think it was okay for someone to treat you like that or talk to you like that? Like that is a crazy situation. Yeah. And you had the means to to leave it. Like, you know, like my mom didn't rely on my stepdad to financially support us. She's an RN. She yeah. had child support. But she stayed in that crazy situation. And you're just like, but like why? Yeah. <laughs> like if someone's holding a gun to your head while you're trying to, you know, do dental molds. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I just that and the the when you hear the word Chinese Canadian, I don't want to stereotype, but 
I think of the most innocuous, like right. gentle person. Like he, he looked innocuous, <laughs> but uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then he's got he's got he's having babies with his wife, and yeah. then telling your mom like, "Let's run away." Yeah, yeah. And he did. I mean, he came over a lot, like by himself too. Like uh, he would just come over all the time. But I mean, when you're a kid, I don't know. You're like I was just stupid. You're like, oh, Doctor Ling's over here again, you know, kind of thing. And uh, we would like go to their house and like watch movies until like late late in the yeah. night you know like my sister and i would fall asleep on on their couch and stuff and it was really strange so yeah i don't like that listen <laughs> having a short commute is great being able to yeah. walk to work is great but it also brings your job too close to home because i used to bartend yeah. with a girl like i worked at a bar that was a little house in a historic neighborhood and she lived in that neighborhood and it's just like there was no privacy for right. her there was no if she's on her front porch you know having a cigarette or whatever people are up in her shit or they're being like i saw yeah. a car in your driveway last night who was over like, like shut up just like <laughs> up up her butt yeah. and like the nice thing for me now because uh the listeners know i work in central phoenix but i no longer live in central phoenix i live in uh glendale arizona it's a suburb and so like i don't run into my customers i used to always i'd be at the gym and the person on the treadmill next to me is a customer i'd be buying like toilet paper i'd see a customer and now they're two separate worlds and it is nice to have i don't love having a 40 minute commute but i do love that it feels like work is even more separate from my private life yeah for sure my heart goes out to everyone who's working from home right now and it's just like work is dirtying up your home with its gross workness it really is yeah it's destroying the sanctity of my home (laughs) my home um so did your mom work so she quit that job with no notice yeah how did did she like pack up but like and secretly just move like all one day, like would he have seen a moving truck? Well, what she did was she first we all flew to Arizona and like uh, went to my stepdad's house and like basically you know kind of got to know Arizona like for a week mm-hmm. and then he came back with us. Oh, okay, yeah, and, with his guns. Yeah, and he's like packed everything up and and uh, um, I believe that Doctor Ling did come to the house a couple of times. Uh, yes, in fact, once he came because I. I found out, I woke up one morning, it was a summertime, so I wasn't in school, but he had come to the house at night, and they had a confrontation, like, in the <gasps> driveway, so. No. Yeah. <laughs> like, I found that out later, but, yeah. But I, I want mean- a movie about this! <laughs> it's kind of like, it's got, I'm seeing it as, like, sleeping with the enemy vibes, you yeah. know? And she's got to sneak out undetected. It was whack, man. It was like... You know, but then my mom married this guy that also was not very good for her, and yeah. that didn't end well either. And so it's just like, oh, and now she has dementia. So, so well, <laughs> yeah. the good news is she can forget all of this. She is going to forget all of it soon enough. Yeah, she's on her way. I actually spent last weekend, I spent four days packing up multiple U-Haul trucks of her stuff to get her into assisted living. So... This has been my life thus far. Yeah. <laughs> it's weird that U-Haul plays a, this role in your life. Yeah, it really does. <laughs> <laughs> it really does. And then uh, what's also funny, though, too, she did eventually work for other dentists out here in Arizona, but none of them were as crazy as the ones back east. And the one, the last one that she worked for, I still go to him, and he is the best dentist I've oh, ever had. Oh, really? Yeah, I love him. He's. I just had a cleaning like two weeks ago. 
I love his whole staff. He's fantastic. He's Mormon. They're all Mormon. Yeah. Because you know, they're mostly Mormon out here. So Well, Mormons but, have, um, yeah. they have nice teeth. I'll say that about Mormons. They do. They yeah. do. They yeah. always have nice teeth. And so, yeah, you, you see a lot of Mormon dentists in the Mormon yep. areas, and there's a lot of nice teeth. This guy is just very like, well, good to see you, Scott. All right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, just very, you know, <laughs> just what you would consider a Mormon dentist. Just, yep, well, well, see you in six months. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, just very uh, vanilla, and I love it. There's like no drug, because you know, I actually have this. You know, with my experiences with dentists via my mom, I'm like, I don't want any kind of like wacky dentist. You know, I, mean? no. I just want the most vanilla, boring dentist that you can you can find. And my dentist is very far away. He's out in Ma- East Mesa, but I I commute to go to him because I refuse. Yeah, to cha- I won't change dentists. So. I'm just like, nope, this is the guy. This is the guy for me. I love it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I recently changed because I, you know, I moved in with Zach and it's the other side of town because yeah. I used to go to an Asian dentist in the Asian neighborhood. Mm. Um, and I really liked that because then the Asian market was across the street. I could make a day out of it. But now, listen, I'm on the other side of town. I'm going to Zach's dentist. I love them. However, awesome. the hygienist, it's she's like, she reminds me of Kimmy Gibbler. Oh, God. Yeah. And it's. It's a lot, yeah. and it, for me, I want to, like, zen out because yeah. I don't enjoy – it's not a great experience for me, yeah. so I want to zen out. And um, I go there. When I get a cold sore, they do this thing where for 25 bucks they point a laser at it, oh. and it actually – it stops the cold sore from growing, but it also oh. kills the virus, so you'll never get a cold sore in that spot ever again. Oh, that's very cool. Yeah, because I only get them in, like, two spots, so, like, the yeah. theory is if we just – every time I get one, zap it. Theoretically, I'll never get them anymore. Nice. Um, But I'm thinking this is a quick procedure because last time I went, they had an assistant or whatever. Zip, zap, zap. Bye. Whatever. Mm. I went back again for the second time I got a cold sore, and it was another different person, Kimmy Gibbler, (laughs) where it just was so much. Yeah. And I'm like, why? Why do you have this much energy? That's awful. I love the hygienist uh, at my dentist because she she's quite young, like I think fresh out of hygienist school, mm-hmm. but she's very calm. She's the total opposite of that, like extremely calm, barely talks. She's like, so you do anything fun, you know, lately? And I'm like, oh, I went on a hike up north. She's like, oh, that's nice. You know? <laughs> <laughs> you know? And I'm like, yeah, it's good. You know, that's about it. You know? <laughs> yeah, that's all I really need in an exchange. I think. Yeah. You know, I do this show so people assume that I'm a very talkative person. Right. But I'm not. I'm not a talkative person in I, my real yeah, life. Yeah, I think I used to be more talkative. Working in sales is like draining me of mm-hmm. my desire to talk. That's like I, when I was a tour guide for four years, I was probably the least talkative I've ever been in my social life because I used to talk so much. Yeah, you just run out. I didn't want to do anything. I was, yeah, I was quite boring. So. Yeah, I wonder sometimes like what <laughs> my – because like my – you know, Zach – is that he's he's a talker and sometimes I feel like I'm not up for it and I'm like I wonder what in the future when I have like a different career where I'm not a bartender <laughs> like if it'll be better for us because I will have more social energy you know yeah I won't come home and be like don't look at me <laughs> don't look at me um so yeah so dentists oh boy we covered them we sure did I, that was that was fun that was good times that was, this was like times. therapy for me <laughs> i loved it i love scott mcnulty's stories no thank you anytime yeah. <laughs> um well guys have a happy hump day thanks for tuning in yeah thanks it was a pleasure to be here and uh be well <laughs> <laughs>